This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The second reading comes from the second chapter of Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. Holy wisdom, holy word. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 17th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant, who has just come in from plowing or tending the sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the servant for what was doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, We are worthless servants. We have done only what we ought to have done. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our refuge and redeemer. Amen. Amen. It's good to be back with you again today. Again, I bring you greetings from the staff and students and faculty at Trinity Lutheran Seminary. Pastor Jim, when he asked me to be here today and be the guest preacher, he told me that you all were focusing this 
during this time on what it is to be church. And I thought, that seems like an important thing to focus on. Let's do it. So what does it mean? Today's readings seem to indicate that faith has something to do with discipleship, at least. And the letter to Timothy seems to connect faith and discipleship with being church. In our gospel lesson today, well, last week we heard about the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Do you remember? And next week we're going to hear about the Samaritan leper who comes back to give thanks. And in between these two stories, Jesus talks to his disciples about how discipleship is supposed to look. And what we hear isn't really that easy. In addition to the chunk we have for today, I want to read the first five verses of Luke 17. Beginning at at verse 1, Jesus says to his disciples, Occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to anyone by whom they come. It would be better for you if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender, and if there's repentance, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times in a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. And then the disciples say, Lord, increase our faith. Yikes. These are challenging commands. This is hard. Seems like being a disciple means that you shouldn't be the cause of someone else's sin. You have to forgive again and again and again. That minuscule faith is enough. And that discipleship is not about reward. Just do it. Then and now, I think it's uncomfortable to realize our own role in making someone else stumble, even and especially when we don't mean to. Plus, it's hard to forgive, even once, much less seven times in a single day. No wonder the disciples asked Jesus for more faith. But I think we in the 21st century in the United States can get confused because our culture gives us a different, under, maybe twisted understanding of what faith is and what it's for. A lot of people, some of us sometimes might even think, that faith is a personal thing that it's about my own personal development of spiritual disciplines. And we're encouraged everywhere we look to strengthen our faith life by filling the appropriate number of steps here. It's like we think that faith is a muscle or a force field of some kind, and that like money and worldly power and influence, that if a little is good, more must be better and required to be a good disciple. We also hear and maybe sometimes say things like, oh, I'm really sorry to hear about your personal disaster, your diagnosis or your layoff or your broken relationship. Have faith. As if we could believe ourselves out of accidents or bad decisions or natural disasters. I want you to hear clearly, beloved siblings in Christ, that this way of understanding faith is magical thinking and it's dangerous and toxic. 
bad things do and will continue to happen to good and faithful people, good and faithful followers of Jesus. Faith is not a protective shield against the hard parts of life. And it's not just up to me as an individual or you as an individual to have enough or the right kind of faith. Notice what the disciples ask. Not increase my faith, nor what do I do or what do we do even to increase our faith. They ask, they demand that Jesus give them more faith. There's no personal responsibility in that. Some of you might remember what Luther said about faith. In the, third, in, the, in the third article of the creed, the definition or the explanation of it, in the small catechism, which Luther wrote so that parents and families could talk about faith over the, over the supper table at home and pass on that faith, Luther writes this about the third article. I believe that by my own understanding or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But instead, the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with her gifts, made me holy, and kept me in the true faith. Just as she calls, gathers, enlightens, and makes holy the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one common true faith. Daily in this Christian church, the Holy Spirit abundantly forgives all sins, mine and those of all believers. On the last day, the Holy Spirit will raise me and all the dead and will give me and all believers in Christ eternal life. This is most certainly true. This faith that the disciples are asking for is not something that they own or can develop. It's not like when I go to the gym and build muscles. Faith is a gift It is a gift of God, and it is free. Free. Okay, but what's it for? According to our lessons today, faith is apparently the thing that gives us the ability to act, to forgive one another, to not make each other stumble, and to follow the Master's orders. Okay, which orders? Well, this is where we have to look at the whole story, right? We can't just focus on just this little bit that we've been given to read this morning. And when we read the whole story, I think we know that that, the synopsis of those orders goes, love one another as I have loved you. Like the disciples, though, my experience of faith is full of questions and doubts, not only about myself, but if I'm honest, about you, too. I look around, and I am bombarded by ways in which we make each other stumble. From the way we talk about each other in our public discourse, to the way we blame each other for illnesses, economic difficulties, and even living in the path of a storm. I look around and I am horrified in my own role in the depletion and destruction of God's beautiful creation 
and in my role, intentional or not, in the systems that oppress and pervert justice for my siblings in Christ. And a lot of times, I have doubts about a God that seems so distant and silent way too much of the time. I am tired of asking how long and why do you let this happen, O Lord? These aren't easy questions, and it's not at all helpful to dismiss them. But while it's meant to be encouraging, I think when we say God's work our hands, it can feel like a lot of unrealistic pressure. So I'm right with the disciples who cry out, increase our faith. And then Jesus, what does Jesus say? He compares faith to a mustard seed. What does that even mean? When I was a child, I used to hear that as if it was a rubric or a measuring stick. Jesus shaming the disciples. If you had even a tiny bit, you could rearrange the world, but the world isn't rearranged, so you maybe don't get it. What's the matter with you? Get with the program. Trust me. But what if we heard Jesus' tone differently? What if we heard it as loving and encouraging? Oh, dear ones, don't worry so much about it. You don't need to have the biggest faith. You don't need to be my best follower ever. All you need is a teeny tiny bit. It'll be enough. Kimberly Bracken Long, who is the associate professor of worship at Columbia Theological Seminary, says it this way, quote, To question whether one has enough faith is to miss the mark. The issue at stake is how we live together. How do we keep from leading one another into the valley of death? How do we manage to keep forgiving one another over and over and over again? We do, not, we do it not because we have a superhuman reservoir of faith stored up, but because God gives us what we need to flourish abundantly in faithful community. In the economy of faith, we who serve depend on a benevolent master who not only expects us to obey, but gives us all that is required to do so. This view of faith saves the church from all sorts of missteps. My personal aside here, we still have a lot of missteps. Back to her quote. In this defined economy, faith is less about personal fortitude and more about mutual forbearance as we keep on learning that we are all in this together. A community that lives out this sort of faith is not afraid to ask questions or to express doubts or to show weakness nor is it afraid to value mercy over fairness or to forgive one another's failings even when patience wears thin. In this economy, faith is not stockpiled in a storehouse somewhere for the working of spiritual wonders, but is lived out as obedience to a just and loving God, trusting in the one with whom we are in relationship We relinquish any illusions of self-reliance 
acknowledging that faith cannot be measured, only enacted. In this economy of faith, we discover more than we even dared to imagine about divine blessing. As we walk in God's ways together, we find that the God who expects so much from us also promises so much, and that, wonder of wonders, the rightful master of us all came first and foremost not to be served, but to serve us. End quote. So today it seems that we hear from God's word that to be the church is not a human contest or striving towards some sort of exceptionalism discipleship at all. We and many other people have been given a teeny, tiny, fragile, doubt-ridden bit of faith in Jesus Christ, the one who came to serve and who died and who was raised from the dead, We are compelled by this teeny tiny speck of faith, by this new status in baptism as children of God. We are compelled to serve each other through loving and forgiving each other, through abiding and with each other through thick and thin, and by encouraging one another. The service that we are called to is not just service to those who are sitting next to us, although it is that. But like the disciples, we are called to extend God's love and forgiveness, God's abiding and healing, God's encouraging and building up to all people. Boy, there I am, back at the seemingly impossible again. Except except when we remember that Jesus Christ has already healed and saved the world. God is accomplishing, has accomplished God's mission. We are called together to be faithful in these small things that we've been ordered to do, which are quite hard enough for us and for whom and for, for which we have been given all that we need to be faithful servants of the servant. This is the good news for us. So what are we waiting for? Go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.